This is January 25th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome back into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. Before we start, <laughs> it's that time of year. This was recorded before the Ducks-Bruins game. So anything breaking down the Ducks and the Bruins, not in this episode. But I will give you some really good news, and that is that Ty Anderson, as you can tell from the title, Ty Anderson was on. And we discussed a lot of bigger picture things, right? I don't think this Ducks-Bruins game is going to be something that we're breaking down for the next week. I think the things we talked about um, will be things that we will be talking about for a while. Started with some Jeremy Swayman trade discussion. Paul Bizanet brought this up, so we kind of dissected that. Would that be feasible? Would that be real? Uh, or is it a terrible idea? We also discussed Tuka Rask's play thus far. Uh, when Jake DeBrusque might be traded, which honestly could be a freaking weekly segment at this point. <laughs> that should be. We should make like, you know, music for it. Like, when will Jake DeBrusque be traded? And it's, you know, like, dun, 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 dun. maybe we'll do that. Um, low rent production over here, though. So I don't know if that, <laughs> I don't know if I'll get on that or not. Um, and then we also got into the, the, the age old argument of do the Bruins need a tough guy? So we kind of get into everything. We also discussed uh, the best prospects to be dealt in the system who are guys uh, the Bruins should trade. So a lot of trading going on in this episode, but I think you'll really enjoy it. Obviously, as always, this is brought to you by our good friends over at bet online. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Ty Anderson. And we're here with Ty Anderson. Ty, what is up? What's going on? I'm uh, doing great. So people don't know this. We're recording this right before the Bruins play the Ducks on Monday night, uh, right before heated game. Remember the last time the Bruins played the Ducks, Pasternak scored four goals. So maybe he's got that in him this time. Is uh, that true? I, I I honestly was trying to remember the last time they played each other, and I couldn't remember a thing. That sounds crazy because I associate the Anaheim Ducks with beating the Bruins. I feel like they're one of those teams that always beats the Bruins. See – Yes, but I feel like that's in Anaheim. I feel like when they play in Boston, mm-hmm. the Bruins always win, but I could be wrong on that. They yes. did have a crazy long win streak, I think, in Boston, I think, for a while. I might be mistaken on that, though. I just remember a lot of games that I went to, I would always try to see the Ducks play the Bruins, and it would always end with the Bruins just getting their ass kicked. And I was like, why do I keep picking these games? These are they, these are not good games, but Tamu Salani, Paul Correa, Chris, I mean, how can you not go see those teams over the years, right? See, the thing is with the Ducks was, uh, they, the most interesting Bruins Ducks storyline by far is the trade that almost didn't, that almost happened for Joe Thornton. Remember, you reported on this, I think. This was back that Brian Burke talked about this during the pandemic when he said, like, oh, uh, you know, we said for Joe Thornton, you could have, you know, we took, did five untouchables. You could have like anybody else you wanted. And the untouchables at that time would not have been like any of Getzlav, Perry, uh, Bobby Ryan. Um, it would have been like, you would have, they would have had like, the Bruins would have had pickings, but they went with San Jose instead. So mm-hmm. that, I think to me, that's the most interesting Ducks Bruins storyline, um, by far. Yeah. Imagine getting Getzlaff for Perry. Like, yeah. How that just completely changes the franchise, uh, just entirely, <laughs> like over the years. Cause back like... then, back then the untouchables would have been like Tamu Solani, Niedemeyer, mm-hmm. Pronger, 
Mm-hmm. Maybe Joffrey Lupul. Like maybe. Joffrey I don't. Lupul. I don't know. Interesting crew there. That's say so that that team won one cup. That team should have won at least one more. I think. Um, See. But okay. Anyways, so, that, quick quick interruption. I was correct about this. Go for it. Because from 2014 through 2018, the Bruins lost nine games in a row to Anaheim. That's what it was. Really? Oh my God. Okay. So you're right on that. Um, I don't know why. I was thinking it's like, it's like when Colorado comes to Boston, the Bruins never win when Colorado comes to Boston. That's like, that's like a known thing that the Avalanche will win that game. Yeah. Wow. All right. So that's a pretty long streak. That's five years. Um, yeah. of just domination by the Ducks. That was also when the Ducks were like really good. Now it's different. But yeah, Pashnak had four goals last, that was October of 2019. That is Oof. literally like three years ago now. <laughs> that, that was, was the last him being like the best goal scorer in the NHL, right? Like that, that year was the year he kind of elevated from being a, like a 30 goal scorer to a 40 slash like 50 goal scorer, right? He was on track for 50 goals that year and then the pandemic happened. But yes, yeah. I mean, he, that was him. So interesting stuff with the Ducks. But again, that game has already happened by the time you're listening to this. So no real, no real insight from that game, but we're talking bigger picture stuff, which is why Ty is here. Cause Ty always the bigger picture guy. People loved the last time when you were on, you entertained some trades with the Knights, with the Vegas Golden Knights. And people were like, Oh, that's, that's good. Like the YouTube commenters were like, damn, that's, that's pretty good. Usually they're a little more ruthless, but they were like eating those up. Um, so why not start from a place? Paul Bizanet brought this up on Spit and Chicklets, I think last week, um, and got people talking and he brought up the idea of the Bruins trading Jeremy Swayman. Uh, and this was something I had mentioned. I just kind of briefly touched on about like a month ago, not saying they should. I'm saying something to think about. You think about it. They have, the Bruins prospect pool is barren. There's not a lot to give. Um, if you're really looking to improve now, there's only one prospect who has a lot of value and it's Jeremy Swayman. On the flip side, though, you don't know the future of Rask. Number one goalies like this don't come around often. I'm interested to hear you, uh, your take on this. Are you Would you be in favor of this or against it? Uh, no. He's one of my three untouchables. Uh, I think organizationally I have three untouchables right now um, beyond the NHL level. And it's Swayman, uh, Lorai, and... and and Lysel. Those are the three that I'm not, I don't want to move because I think that they're the three that you don't have comps for in your system, right? Like, I, I just think that a goaltender, an electric winger, and a, a big body defenseman who can also skate and make plays offensively, you don't have those things. So you, you can't afford to give them up for a deadline fix or, um, anything like that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade Jeremy Swayman. No, that's just, I, 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 that's one thing that is just kind of off table for me. Um, it would have to be a really, really good deal. It'd have to be a guy who's under contract for a long time, uh, and under the age of 26. How many of those guys are available in the open market? Because guys, I mean, who wants to trade that guy, right? Like, so I, I, I think it would have to be a sweetheart deal. And even then I'm like, mm, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Turtles 28 and he's a free agent. Maybe if you get him to resign, but even then, so my thing is even just past that, you just look at this year, right? You don't know the future of Rask. So you can't say, well, Rask and Omar are going to be the goaltenders for the next three to four years. You're fine. You know, you're going to be terrible after that anyways. You also know the future of Bergeron. Uh, you got some guys coming up in the future with contracts. And you need a number one goalie. You do. Olmark is under contract for three more years after this one. 
you don't know the future of Rask. So what you know, the goaltenders like Swayman don't just come along. I think some people think that like, oh, you know, it's all good. Also, do you know how hard the Atlantic Division is this year? So more than likely, it doesn't feel like this is going to change. Feels like the Bruins are probably going to be either the first or second wild card spot, unless unless they catch Toronto. But then you're playing Tampa, potentially or Florida. So you're probably either playing Tampa or Florida in the first round. Is Tomas Hurdle or someone that you get for Swayman? Is he going to, if you give up Swayman, is that player going to automatically get you past them? I don't have full confidence in that. I'm fine with if you want to deal Stadnika, DeBrusque first and something else for Hurdle or one of these guys, fine. But Swayman? <laughs> I don't know about that because I don't look at the field this year and go, oh, this is the year. Like, this is the might be the last year, but this ain't like the year. Right. Yeah. I, I think if I were making the list of guys, I would, I would trade Swayman for, uh, I think that list probably begins and ends with, with Jacob Chitron out of Arizona, right? Like that's the only guy I'd be yeah. like, okay, that fills a long-term need for your team. This makes sense. But even then I just, I don't want to do it. If, if we've, if we had seen more from Kyle Kaiser, right? Where we're looking at the numbers, we're like, wow, this, this guy's also knocking at the door. It changes the game, but we haven't seen that, right? And same thing with, with Fedback. Um, I, I think he's off to a good start where he is, but again, it's a really small sample size and you drafted him last year. You don't really have a full grasp of what he is. We've seen this before, right? Probably a little bit before your time, but Lars Volden was this guy who looked like he was going to be this incredible goaltending prospect, never quite panned out, right? He had great numbers, uh, as he was developing. You know, Zane McIntyre, right? Another one That's who the one. dominated the college ranks came up and was like, Ooh, this isn't, this isn't our, our kind of guy. So it, it's tough to, to project those guys right now. Uh, whereas Swayman, we've seen the body of work. I think the things that we like about him are foundational and the things that we don't like about him are correctable, right? Like rebounds and just getting a feel for the game. Those things can change. Those things can and will improve. Uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. And yeah, to your point, you're going through an absolute death march no matter where you land, right? If you land in the, I always think you're better off landing in the Metro, but if you do that, first round dates with Carolina, like that's, that's not fun really based on what we've seen this season. <laughs> See from <what's> that series. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, again, I, again, I don't look at the Bruins as a, you know, the, t- a team or a big team in the East. They're going to be a team that would have to go on a real run, um, to beat either Tampa, or Florida. You also have to wonder with Toronto, like at one of these points, they've got to do something in the playoffs. Like it, at some point, it's the, the dam is going to break. And I've been saying eh, this for years maybe. now. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong on this. But like you have to think at some point, maybe. But even just taking out Toronto, Tampa, Florida, and the Metro, you know, Carolina. So I don't know. I, I to me, I don't think Swayman is the guy you want to trade, uh, especially considering you know coming up here in the future. You know, you didn't prepare well for life after Krejci and Bergeron because you don't know what you have down the middle. You didn't prepare well for life after Chara or Krug, left side again. You, I think, pointed this out to me, that they basically replaced Tori Krug and Zeno Chara with Derek Forbert and Mike Riley. So that also didn't really work. Life after Rask, you're just going to hope, you know, you're going to have Olmark in there for the next couple of years and then see what happens? Or would you rather, hey, you developed a goaltender. You did a good job of it. Why don't you just keep him? So I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I, I they would, made I'd their call already, right? When it comes to keeping 
Swayman because they traded Ladar. Right? Those were your two yeah, young goaltenders true. that were NHL caliber in 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 your opinion. And you traded Ladar. Uh, I think that was the right move. I still stand by that if I'm the Bruins. I I think they should. But I think when they did that, they basically said Swayman is our guy of the future. And that's and that's how it is, right? Like so yeah, there's no deal out there that makes sense for me for that. And the idea of life after Rask, I mean, if there's one positive you can take from that is that right now and for the foreseeable future, they're spending less than what they've spent on it in the past. And the only way they'd be spending more on it, right, once Rask leaves, let's say he has maybe this year and next year. I think this year might honestly be it personally, but but let's just say, right, if you're paying as much as you were paying for Rask and Halak for Ullman, for Ulmark and Swayman, it's because Swayman has done something good, whether that's win a championship or be in the Vezina conversation, something like that. That is the way that you are paying as much money as you have been for the past five years, basically for goaltending, uh, once Rask leaves is if, if Swayman wants some hardware, which if that's the trade off, you take it every day of the week. <laughs> yeah. So for me, again, I, it just comes back to, I don't think trading Swayman is an extreme that you want to go to. I guess it'd be different if like, they were more set in stone with the future, right? Like if, 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 um, Bergeron and Martian were younger and you were like, all right, this is their prime. This is when we're going for it. You know, we can figure out goaltending down the, the road, but there's so many things they haven't figured out. So that's uh, me trading Swayman. Cool idea. Outside the box idea, but not exactly one that I think, um, would benefit you short term or long term. I think teams um, will ask though. I think that's going to be 100%. The thing that. Oh, how could you not? The deadline, they're going to say, can we get one of these guys? You know, can we get, can we get a Swayman or a Lysel? And that's when Sweeney, who doesn't have a contract for next year, needs to basically think long term and not just job saving and be like, okay, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. No, exactly. I agree with you there. Um, speaking of goaltending, Tugarask back in the net. Tukarask, the, 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 the lightning rod that Tukarask is back in the net. Um, and it's been a weird start, right? Great first start against Philly, but it was Philly. Uh, then you have Carolina, which I can't really blame him for. Could have been, could, could have got some better saves there. Uh, but the five goals that went in, you can all look at and go, Oh, there was a defensive breakdown there or he wasn't covered there. Um, and then, uh, his most recent start against, uh, Winnipeg, tough start, but ended up being fine. Uh, what do you make of all this? Do you think, is it just rust? Uh, you know, wh- what should people expect out of this? Yeah. I mean, I would say that it's, it's a bit of rust, right? Um, I think that first goal on Sunday is an example of that. Uh, or I'm sorry, Saturday, last Saturday against Winnipeg where he gets a piece of it, but it trickles through him. Uh, I think that's an example of your timing being off, your mechanics being a little bit off, just not having played a lot. The Carolina game, I mostly throw out completely. Um, the, the fourth everybody. goal, the Jarvis goal was the one where I, I said want to save there, but you know, you got, you got guys all alone in the slot. You got, you, you have, uh, you have sick deflections. I mean, what can you do? Right. Like these kind of things happen. Those games happen. I think it would have happened all Mark if it didn't happen to Tuca. Like that first period was that bad where they left the guy on, okay. out on an island. Uh, so I really do think that it's been mostly positive. Uh, it really is about sort of finding out what his workload can be and how, how much they can rely on him. Uh, because I think that's going to be a, a big test down the road, right? Is you want to know what the split's going to be. You want to know who's going to take hold of the gig, right? I don't think that Omar, I don't think his start on Thursday was particularly great. 
And that was, that was what his first or his second start since Rask has been back. So I want to see what that's like. I want to see how these guys work together in tandem, because I think that the Bruins had something good with Swayman and Ulmark. They were pushing each other to be better. I don't think that Rask is going to derail that or Ulmark is not going to play as well now that Swayman's gone. But it is something worth watching because these guys need to do, they need, they do need to push each other. They need to be the new Halak and Rask. They need to be the new Hudobin and Rask for that matter. Right. And I think on the surface, this is a better one too than those tandems, but I want to see it play out about a month before we start saying where they're at. But I think Rask, I think will get better with time, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I think it'll be much better with time. Uh, but it's an interesting point you bring up with how the minute Rask was brought in just to practice, Olmark and Swayman's numbers jumped up, right? Mm-hmm. They were both playing the best they had all season. I think it's an interesting thing to kind of follow with, uh, with the way those two are doing, um, and sort of the, the progress they're both making. I am interested to also see if, if Olmark starts to struggle or if Rask starts to struggle when they say, all right, Swayman's getting brought back up. You know, we're going to give, we're going to let Jeremy kind of get some reps in the net. I know they said that, but you wonder what level do they have to struggle at for that to be the case? So that's also something to follow. But yeah, I mean, again, yeah, it's I think- true. I mean, think about it. Like you kind of have an out here with, uh, you can basically scratch Tuca for a few games or put him on IR, whatever the case may be. Just be like load management, right? Or hip soreness, you know, like you can basically do that if you, if you want to. It's not like Kucherov, you're not going to full on Kucherov him and put him out until the end of the season. And not, there's a lot of cap room, cap savings in doing that in the first place, given his contract. But like you have a way here where you can basically say, Hey, Tuka, we're going to, we're going to sit you for a game or two and we're going to bring Swayman up, like just to keep him busy, right? Like you can do that. So it, it it's really is about like managing the cap. And I think, I think if and when we see Swayman, it'll probably be after the deadline once they maximize that cap space and maximize their roster. Um, so we'll see how that goes, but I, I've said it all along that I think you're going to see all three goaltenders down the stretch. It's just a matter of who grabs the bull by the horns or who takes that, who takes that game and, and runs with it. Would you say that prediction is kind of like a safe bet, you know, that they'll both be back at some point the rest of the year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it just, it just seems to make sense, right? Like, just given the schedule, I think at one point, I want to say they have a five and 10 at one point or like a, like a five and nine, something crazy like that. So I think when it looks at, when it looks like that, you're going to see the third goaltender just based on a, his ceiling, be the goaltenders that are currently up here and their injury history or what they're working back from. Like I can't imagine a scenario in which those guys, Rask and Allmark are playing the full five and seven, five and eight, whatever it may be. I'll match you with a better bet. Our good friends over at BetOnline AG. Uh, BetOnline would like to wish you a new happy betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Again, promo code CLNS50 to get started. BetOnline, where the game begins. I almost said 2002 there. I was like, damn, like going back 20 years now. But It'd be sick. Um, I know, right? Pretty cool stuff. By the way, how about me with AirPods now? I used to have, um, I don't know where my old headphones went, but they. I was at the gym. 
and they broke. Like they just went static. And I was mm. like, oh, cool. Uh, and I couldn't finish my workout because you can't work out without like music playing. So I went out and got yeah. some AirPods. I'm trendy. So I'm cool now. You know, I'm one of the, one of the cool kids. I, I still use the regular, uh, on the cord. Gotta, gotta get the cord plugged in the phone. I like this because I feel as if when I'm on the train and people see the cord, I'm not ignoring them, even though I am. And they're like, oh, he has music. He can't hear me. And I'm like, no, no, it's a little bit of both. I can hear you, but I'm ignoring you because I have nothing, I have nothing of value for you, my friends. Yes. No, that's a good idea. Uh, that's a, that's a good point. My old beats, the earbuds had a cord around the back, but they didn't plug into the phone. I miss when they used to plug into the phone. I kind of kept that for a while and then I, it just kind of, I had to switch, but yeah, no, I, on the train, don't talk to me. Wasn't that a thing that the new mayor had brought up? That people are going to talk to each other on the T-more? I can't think of something oh, I'd want sure to hope not. Yeah, no, I think she'd brought that up. Like, oh, we should have people. It's like in Seinfeld when they have name tags, you know. Oh, you know, hey, Joe, how you doing, Sam? Not good. There's, Yeah, there's there's a – my theory, which has been proven time and time again, uh, nothing good has ever come from a person coming up to you in a train platform or wanting to talk to you. Nothing, nothing good has ever come from it, and I don't think that will ever yeah. change. It's always they're asking for something you don't have or they want to yell at you or they want to complain about someone else that they they saw down. The, n- nothing good comes of it. Nothing good. No. Just leave me alone. Let me listen to my music. Listen to the podcast. Yeah, uh, we're all about to anyway. get on this, this big metal snake that smells like piss. Don't talk to me. We're all, no <laughs> one's in a good mood right now. <laughs> no one likes this. Uh, someone came up to me recently and asked for me to donate to something. And I had earbuds in it. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And I felt bad doing it. But then I was like, well – I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to ride the train, man. Like, I don't know. I give to st- good things on my own time. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to be approached like at freaking government center about that, but whatever. Yeah. Like, I think if you're um, looking for donations, I, I, I really do think the, the MBTA platform is the worst place to go because, uh, <laughs> yeah. if anyone had money, they wouldn't be riding the MBTA. That's just how it tends to be, I think. Yes. And it's people are just, they want to get from one place, the point A to point B and just like, Focus ahead. Um, but anyways, speaking of people who want to get the hell out of here, Jake DeBrusque. <laughs> How about that segue? Uh, Nailed Jake them today. Trade... Yeah, right. Just killing them with that. Uh, Jake DeBrusque obviously requested a trade about two months ago now. Um, and everyone's kind of sitting around waiting. When is this going to take place? When's it going to happen? When Martian went down, he went up to the first line. Starting to play better his past couple games. Noticing him more, which is, I think, a good thing for all parties involved. Um, I think I asked you this last time you were on when we think this will happen and it's getting to the point where it feels like this could be a deadline move where it felt before, like maybe it would be before and there'd be some allure in that. Do you think this is going to end up being that kind of like deadline move? Yeah. I mean, it's trending that way, right? Where I, I think it's trending that way in the sense that the Bruins haven't been able to find a trade package that they like for DeBrusque. And if that's the case, Okay, when I have to wait to the deadline until some contenders or some middling teams are more desperate for some outside help, right? Some, hey, how could I, how can we improve our, our middle six? How can we improve our, our second line, our third line, whatever the case may be? Like, and that's, that's when you'll probably feel the real offers for DeBrusque. I don't think anyone feels that desperation here in January, given the way the, the league is set up this year or the deadline's not until almost the end of March, right? But, but give it some time. He keeps playing well, and there's going to be a team out there that's kind of a middling team that has cap space moving forward that goes, okay, I think we can make him work here. Maybe get some better offers there. I think 
I think the big thing for the Bruins is I think they're pretty adamant that they don't want picks. I think they want a player. I think they want someone who can help them now, which makes sense because they do have some needs. You know, you could use a little bit more stability, I think, on your third line. Um, I think you could use uh, another defenseman, uh, particularly a right shot defenseman uh, who can play some third pairing minutes if he's a bigger body. But I think I feel as if, and I have nothing to back this up here, but I feel as if a lot of teams are like, yeah, we'll give you a second round pick. We'll give you a third round pick. And and they're like, no, no, we, we really want something that tangible, like for right now. So I'm curious if that does change between, between now and the deadline, but it does feel like their best bet is going to be a deadline move. Right. Because again, that's when teams, I mean, geez, the blue jackets got a first round pick for Nick Foligno to, to play fourth line minutes in Toronto. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. And I love Foligno, but like, you know, he's a great guy, but like, uh, you know, you wait, the longer you wait in some instances, the better the return will be because you can take advantage of teams that are just so desperate to make the playoffs and make a splash. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. I think it does go back to that. Um, and I, I just, I, I, I think you have to package him. I think you have to package him because like the Lawson Krause stuff or someone like that, you know, if it's a one for one in that sense, um, I don't know. Don't you feel like you need to kind of package DeBrusque for something better? Like, why would you then also in return want a n- another middle six winger uh, who may or may not be struggling, right? Like, why would you want another one of those guys? And why would you expect the Bruins to be able to revitalize that player? Lawson Krause obviously is having a good season. But, like, like I look back to, like, Nick Ritchie and Andre Kasha. And Ritchie was, like, fine here. You know, he exceeded some expectations, but he never turned into what they really, I think, needed him to be. So I don't know. I feel like you have to package DeBrusque. Am I wrong in thinking this? Like, do, do you think you can do a one-for-one deal with DeBrusque and get much better? Well, probably not, no. And the other the other part of it, too, that's, I think, hard or, or frustrating is, like, dealing with the Coyotes is hell. I don't think, I don't oh, think yeah. the Bruins want to deal with the Coyotes. They are, Armstrong is not, he doesn't relent from what I've gathered. He, he's very adamant what, about what he wants and he will not take less. Uh, I mean, Jesus, they got the Canucks to take OEL because they want a Garland so badly, right? <laughs> like that, like think about that. And so I, I think like if, for Krause, it's like they'd want DeBrusque plus plus, right? Like it, because of the way he's playing right now and because there will be a bidding war for a guy like that, you know, a six foot four left wing who, uh, is scoring, contributing physically, you know, all that. So I, I think that's like, yeah, to your point, you need to build a package, but you only have so many bullets in the chamber, right? But you, and you have multiple needs. So I think for the Bruins, it'd really suck if they packaged all their assets just to get rid of DeBrusque. And I think that's another part of this they're trying to, to manage where they know that they need probably more than just one person at this deadline. You know, they need a couple of bodies. Uh, they don't have to be superstars, but they need to be depth that can prevent you from playing Tyler Lewington in a playoff game, right? This team always goes 10 <laughs> deep in the playoffs, it seems, on defense. Uh, so I think that that's part of it as well, that they don't want to basically blow their load just to un, just to unload the brusque. Like that, they don't want to do that. Like you, you're going to empty your entire clip just to get rid of the guy. Like that, that doesn't seem like something they want to do. So, but, but don't you, you don't you, but don't you think that, adding DeBrusque to a deal for like a hurdle could help that could maybe save you a pick somewhere. Don't could it, that help? I mean, it could, but, but I, I, 
now what are you not getting now in return right or 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 how much are you hurting the pool to make this happen right like like what else is going out the door what else is like what are you not able to get now because you did this right like and and so that's the yeah. other part of it too is that if you do it that way it has to be the home run it has to be hurdle it has to be closure root it has to be you know chitrin it has to be something like that where you're like oh my god like this is the move right and if it's not the move you're like all right well here we go now we have to reach deeper into the coffers find another second round pick or a first round pick to move and now the future is looking real bleak so I am firmly team get Bergeron and Martian another cup, uh, but I don't want to empty the entire cupboard just to get rid of Jake DeBrusque. If Jake DeBrusque wants to, you know, if he wants out, that's great. But you, you got to look at it long term, I think, in terms of their goals and what they want to do. And, and if they have multiple needs and they have to a, a not get one of those because DeBrusque's here, I'm like, sorry, man, we'll, we'll move you in the summer. That's how it's going to be. But I do think DeBrus could be an asset in a deal. Like, I, 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 I think you have to play it right because you don't have a lot to give, right? You've stood Nika. If you want to do a future first, maybe that, um, maybe like Beecher's rights. But again, I don't know if they really want to do that. Um, but I think DeBrus yeah, could what be would you an say asset. The list is. I think the list is the Nika. I mean, it's DeBrusque. I started writing this as you were talking. Stud, yeah. DeBrusque. Vakaninen. Yeah, yeah, back in nine, it would be one. I mean, he's playing well, but you have a massive logjam at lefty for the yeah. foreseeable future. So, so he's, this he's feels one. like a showcase more than it's any, more than anything else. I would put Vakaninen when they're healthy. I would put him at right D and see if he can play it. Maybe he can pull a full Zaboral and play the rights, play his offside. Cause if that happens, that does change the game in terms of trading him, in my opinion. But yes, like, so and then who else? I mean, Beecher, you mentioned. Maybe. I mean, Frederick. I don't know if he's getting you a lot, but he's someone. Like, I would not. Yeah, first I would definitely pedigree. listen on that. Yeah. I don't think they like, can afford to, to move him. I think that's, I think that, I think internally they feel like he is their best bet at, at, at keeping tough guys at bay. That's why the whole thing, you know, it, it, we'll, we'll get into it, but like, I, I think that he, they look at him. That's why they protected him, right? Over, over Nick Ritchie, who, Nick Ritchie had a better season, you know, product productivity wise. They didn't even qualify Nick Ritchie, but they kept Frederick because he has an element that this team kind of tends to need. But has he shown it this year? Doesn't feel like he has. The only no, time I he think, did was I the think there was an emphasis. Guy. I think there was an emphasis on him to say, "You're a first round pick. Stop being nonsense all the time. Be be seventy percent hockey player, thirty percent nonsense." And I think that. That has maybe hurt him, I think, to a degree. I, I do think there was a moment last year where the Bruins said to him, "Enough, enough with the with the the shenanigans and the in the the antics. Just play hockey. You know, we want." Well, it's like be every a... play. It was every like every play with him. It felt like at least. So yeah, especially against the Capitals, which I guess was a good thing, right? Because it kept them at bay to a degree. But I, I but I think I I want to say that the the spearing incident with Ovi and the, in the, the Wilson fighting him constantly. Like, I I don't know if they just, maybe they felt that he was going to start to lose the benefit of the doubt, right? There's a difference between being an instigator and being uh, a detriment to your team. And maybe they felt that yeah. he was veering closer and closer towards the guy who was racking up dumb penalties. And they were like, we can't have you being that guy. You need to sort of find the line. So 
I don't know. My theory is that someone got in his ear last year and said, be a hockey player, not a, not a, not a goof, as Cassidy would say. And that's, that's why we've seen this sort of regression to a degree. Maybe they're not fully embracing his role or fully utilizing what makes him an effective hockey player. So, uh, and then when that happens, I mean, when you neuter a guy like that, it's really tough to, to get their game back, right? Cause they feel, I think they feel like, oh, if I make a mistake, I'm done for the night or I'm going to be in the press box, whatever the case may be. But if he's going to be a hockey player, we got to see more of it as well, right? We got to see more of like the, the, the power forward kind of behavior, the winning face offs, things of that nature as well. I just wonder if a team would overpay for that. For a guy who's a former first round pick, who can be a tough guy, who can do all those things, and maybe could have some offensive upside as he gets older. I just wonder if a team might overpay a lot for that, you know, or take that as like, you, instead of giving up a future first, you give up a Frederick. I don't know. Teams work in weird ways. You just wonder if that could be, if that could be a trade chip. I don't know. I mean, you said last year, and this is obviously very different, but Nick Felino uh, netting a first round pick. And again, it's different. They're two different, you know, completely different players. They play in similar parts of the lineup though. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. Frederick, I would put Frederick on the list. I, I don't think they will trade him, but if you, if a team, if I was GM and a team came to me and I could throw Frederick in a deal to save myself giving up a future first or someone I don't, someone else I don't want to give up. Why not? So. I don't know. Frederick yeah, to be might clear, be I, I, I'm not totally against it. I just wonder if they have reservations about it because of their perceived toughness issues, you know, especially on the, on the yeah. heels of, of what happened with the Capitals, right? If you go and trade that guy, never everyone is truly screaming about how the Bruins aren't tough. So th- this, this is a good segue into the final topic of today. Do you, I mean, you look at what's happening, right? You know, Marshan gets drilled from behind pretty much by Hathaway. That's a borderline hit, probably on the side of dirty um, Wilson goes out of his way to just truck Anton bleed. It was a clean hit, but I don't think, yeah, I don't know. You don't see that happen a lot anymore. Um, do they need a tough guy? Do they need, do, is that like a deadline addition? Cause it feels like they would have gotten to if they wanted that, who just got waived and now just cleared waivers. So do they need a guy like that? So that's, that's a tough question, right? Because I, I, I've asked Cassie about this before. I've asked him if he believes the Bruins have enough toughness. And I walked away from that and he said, I think we have team toughness. He goes, the, the, the idea of toughness in, in today's game has changed. It's not a bunch of face mashers. It's blocking shots. It's sticking up for your teammates, things of that nature. The Bruins believe that they have enough of that. Um, now, I think the other part of it too is that the guy that they pick up, right, or the guy that they would get to address this has to be able to play. If he does, if he doesn't know how to play, if he can't make a pass, score some goals, Cassie will not play him. That's just how it is. He needs a full lineup of guys who know how to play the game of hockey. That's, he's been pretty adamant about that, right? That you got to be able to keep pace in this system. Now, I don't want to make any definitive statements about what happened uh, or what this is because because of that Washington game, because Frederick was out. If Frederick's in the lineup, Hathaway's answering for that hit. Wilson's getting bothered by him all night. At the same time, this has happened multiple times now this year. It happened with Bergeron in Nashville. Uh, it happened with, uh, I want to say, uh, I want to say it happened too. with another guy before that too. I might be. It, it happened in Vancouver with, they went at, Ber- uh, one of their defensemen hit Bergeron in the face. He had a mask on. Yeah, that's what it hit was. hit him in the yeah. face. It was another one. Yeah, so it was Bergeron twice, yeah. So those are that's concerning, right? But then I look at how they handled themselves against Nashville. 
in the in the rematch, right? Physical game. They matched them. They were the aggressors, I thought, throughout that game. That that they said, yeah. okay, we're gonna play like this. Have fun trying to match it. And Nashville matched it and they didn't back down, which I thought was really encouraging. So I think they have enough toughness uh in terms of of brawn, if you will, but the, the toughness that I want them to get more of, it guys who can break through the interior of the def- of the defense in the attacking zone. And at the other end, a bigger defenseman who can protect that house, can protect the interior ice of the Bruins. I think that's a toughness they need They need more of. It's not face punching. It's being harder to play against and finding ways to break through. They need a, a real power forward and a real, just a six foot two, six foot three right side banger. Just a guy who just plays with nastiness. You know, that Kevin Miller kind of type, type of game that they lost and, and did not replace in free agency. That's a toughness they need more than they need a guy who can chase Wilson around and Garnet Hathaway because we've been covering this team for a long time. We've seen, you know, we've been Bruins fans for a long time. We've seen how when the Bruins are the toughest team in the league that did not stop teams from taking liberties, did not stop the Mark Savard incident. It did not stop uh, Nathan Hort in 2011, Priest Bergeron in 2011. Like it doesn't deter predators from being predators, right? But if you can be more of a tough team and let teams know that, hey, we're playing Boston tonight, that's going to suck for 60 minutes because they have a they have a banger on every edge of their lineup, and they make it hard to, to keep them at bay. I think that can go a long way for this team. Yeah, and I also think that's better to win. Like, you don't win. Again, Tyler Lewington, for instance, like, you know, can fight, can do all those things, but he, it's not, like, not going to help you get any further because that's kind of it. I think it's the same with, you know, going out and get a guy like Ryan Reeves or, um, you know, you go through the old kind of score of goons that used to kind of permeate this league. Um, and I just look at it and think they, you know, and again, I saw someone tweet at you saying something like, well, they need a guy like Tom Wilson. And it's like, you know how rare someone like Tom Wilson is? I mean, you remember like, even like Milan Lucic was a great example, right? Cause Lucic could do all those things and also score goals and put up points. But even in today's game, his speed, I don't know if it would have held up to today's game. You know, um, so you need to get yeah, really if, if faster than if, that. I mean, Tom Wilson is a unicorn. I've said it before. I mean, the guy's a unicorn. He's just, he, he, he just like, he, the, the, the way he plays, I mean, he can kill you and score a beautiful goal all in the same shift, which is just not, it's not common, like to have those that's guys. Like a pro, that's like a B pro. That's like a The entire league, <laughs> right? So if, if, if you're, if you're chasing, you know, a Tom Wilson guy or Tom Wilson clone to match him, it's a losing battle. It's like when the Buffalo Sabres tried bringing in all these guys to offset Milan Lucic. The Bruins just laughed at them and they won the game. You know what I mean? Like, and that's that. If you're building a, if you're building a team because of what another team has done to you, and I think that it's it's smart and stupid depending on what it is. I think for the Bruins, it'd be stupid because a, there's not that guy out there. And B, you've won 10 of 15 against Washington over the last two years. Like, I don't think you gotta well be chasing done. Washington. They gotta be chasing you, if anything. Yeah. And they also, uh, I don't know if you're including this in that stat. I think you are the playoff series last year. They won in, what was it? Was it yeah, five or six I was games last that, year? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was five games, right? Or six. No, it was, it was five. five. Yeah. It was five. five games last year. It seems like forever yeah. ago. Five games. So you're winning these games. It just comes down to player safety and things like that. But I, I agree. The team toughness thing is more important. Um, I don't put, you know, get, going out and getting a goon or someone who can't play but can, you know, face mash. I don't put that on the list of, of deadline things to do. But uh, Ty, think, as always. Think al- about this, Evan, or- before, we, before we wrap up, right? The Tampa Lightning 
won the Stanley Cup last year and the year before that. Last year, their lineup, the smallest defenseman, the smallest lineup regular, I believe, was six foot two on their back end. The trend <laughs> is bigger defensemen that make it harder to get through the attacking zone and into the high danger areas. That is the trend in the league. The Islanders have done it as well. They did it last year. So that's where you got to go. I think that's the toughness that you need. You need, you need guys that make it harder for the skill players to find open ice. And that's the big, that's the big need. I think between now and the deadline for the Bruins, getting that guy in the third pairing behind, behind McAvoy and Carlo. I think that's where they need to allocate a lot of their assets, a lot of their research to finding that guy because the league-wide trend just indicates that that is what they need more than anything else. And I think that's also a big reason as to why they didn't give Krug top dollar for an extended period of time because they felt like you know, we have Grizzlick under control. This isn't an area we really need. We need mm-hmm. you know bigger guys. The problem is that you know they haven't replaced it to the best of their ability, um, which again is a whole other topic. Um, but and also like you mentioned a guy like Mason Lorai. That's a kid who could eventually be that, right? His size indicates it. His speed indicates it. The way he plays in the D zone. I'm interested to see him in the tournament this year with Ohio State um, and even next year uh, when he probably most likely stays. So, uh, this is a weird question, but you're an NCAA guy. Uh, did you expect yep. him to maybe get on the radar for a team? Did I expect him to be on the radar for that? Yeah. Is that what you asked? You broke up there for a second. Yeah. Um, did I expect him? Uh, would have been nice to see it him on the uh, radar a bit more. Um, but I feel I'm surprised like I didn't go with more college kids. It's it's a lot of veterans, a lot of like you know, I don't want to be like mean, but like old NHL players or more old speed. NHL tweeners like that. Could be. Yeah, I would have been. I would have loved to have seen that. I would have. It would have been. I think a better product. Um, but yeah, I think they just. I think they wanted guys who could play the heavier game who are older. I think. Lorai is still very young, and I don't mm-hmm. know if they felt that he would adjust to maybe a heavier, bigger, faster game with the what the Olympics will be, which I don't know if it'll even be that. I don't know why he wasn't on the radar that much more. Like that's a good question because I didn't really consider that. And now that you're mentioning it, it's like, oh yeah, why why wasn't he on there? Because he's one of the. I mean, I don't think he he won't be a big Hobie guy this year, but he is like yeah a top point getter on Ohio state, which is a team that has kind of surprised a lot of people. They're ranked like 12th right now. So like he's, he's very valuable. I think next year you'll see him jump a ton. Yeah. It's almost any, point, like, I mean, it's almost point per game plus 14 on Ohio state. I mean, you know, pretty sure they play some pretty good competition out there. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if they're beating up on like, you know, they're beating up on like, uh, like what was that team they played out in Beverly? <laughs> like to begin the year. I don't remember who that was, but I know like there was, was a sick pass. Is that who they played? It might have been, but there was a sick pass that Lowry made and everyone was going nuts about it, which was awesome. It was a great pass, but it came against like LIU. And I was like, yeah. well, like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, well, that's cool, but, mm, mm. but he still had a tr- terrific year. They've, they've had, t- I think they swept, was it Michigan? No, they didn't sweep Michigan. I'm wrong about that. I'm thinking of someone different. Um, they've beat they beat good teams though. Like the the Big Ten is good, so it's not like they're playing soft teams. Like the Big Ten is good. Lowry is good. Lowry, I think Lowry will be very solid. I'm just interested to see how he develops next year and what he becomes because offensively he's been great. So mm-hmm. yeah, interesting team. Interesting team. This is the thing Make you sure got to do. You got to start. You guys are giving the the lowdown on all these college kids. Cause you work with the NCAA. You gotta, you, you know what I mean? Like you get that. That's going to be your new thing. 
Oh yeah, just uh all the NCAA guys the Bruins have. Was it it's just uh was Lorai, there's um there's Beecher, obviously, who I watch a lot of. Someone there's I was Kuntar, on a show. There's gonna be Lang and Bruner soon. Yes. There's gonna be uh uh Is Quinn Olsen still the Quinn Olsen's still in the system, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's with Duluth. He's been good. I think they have to sign solid. him this year, but yeah. He's been solid. I've watched, I've watched him, Beecher, and Lowry the most because they're on the best teams. So that's what I watch pretty much. Um, yeah. Yeah. Gallagher too. Doing Come that on now. That's right. Ty Gallagher. So yeah, they've got some guys. They've got some guys. Not the, not the top of the rank, but they're the good guys. That's for sure. Um, but anyways, Ty. Before you go, uh, this is a great long episode. I had you on much longer than I thought you would because we just kind of kept going. So much to That's talk fine. about. You'll, I don't care. You'll miss, you'll <laughs> miss me at tonight. You'll miss, you'll miss me at tonight's Bruins game. You'll miss me Monday night. I'm working Why? with NCAA. Well, I'm working NCAA tonight. I have a shift. Four to, uh, four to one a.m. It's great. Paper thin um, dedication to the yeah, part It's job. true. <laughs> Anyways, uh what do you want to plug before I let you go? Which people look up? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. Just check the website. There'll be stories on there. 985sportshub.com. I try not to use Twitter because it's just it's too much all the time, too much noise. Uh so yeah, we'll have a bunch of coverage from the game and long-term picture stuff, things of that nature on the website. So check it out. We'll be there. Perfect. Well, there you go. That's Ty Anderson. I'm Ev Marinovsky. You Bruins beat listeners. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.